0: It's Tabby from Modern Life Pod. For this episode, I invited Jason back to discuss Charade. It's an old Hollywood movie, mystery, uh, fun Who whodunit starring Cary Grant and Andre Hepburn. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Modern Life Pod. And you can also email us at ModernLifePod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and let's get on with the show. Peter Joshua.
1: Oh, mine's Regina Lampert.
0: Is there a Mr. Lampert? Yes. Good for you.
1: No, it isn't. I'm getting a
0: divorce. Please, not on my account. Oh, no. You see, I don't really love him. Well, at least you're honest. Mm. Is there a Mrs. Joshua? Yes, but we're divorced. Oh, that wasn't a proposal. I'm just curious. (laughs) Is your husband with you? Oh, no, Charles is never with me. What do people call you? Pete? Mr. Joshua. I've enjoyed talking with you. Now you're angry. No, no, I'm not angry. I just have a lot of packing to do. I'm going back to Paris too. Well, Wasn't it Shakespeare who said when strangers do meet in far off lands they should ere long see each other again? Shakespeare never said that. How do you know? It's terrible. You just made it up. But welcome back, Jason. You might remember Jason from our documentary episode with our Vanna Herzog film. Um, and today we're talking about Charade, a movie from 1963, but before we get into that, uh, Jason, what's on your mind? What what you been doing lately? What's your modern thought?
1: Yeah, so the modern thought, uh, I have been living south of the border for a while, so I don't really have a whole lot of uh, knowledge of what is going on in the in the culture right now. <laughs> Um, That's probably a good thing here in the U.S. Yeah, I'm not I'm not mad about it. Um, so I, I figured I'd give you an update about like what's going around in, in Mexico right now, and uh, it's this great video uh, called uh, "Day of the Banana," uh, where a uh, woman feeds her rabbit a banana that is losing its mind over it, and then voicing. <laughs> Uh, giving voice to the rabbits, um, and the video is also known as chi which is like the um, kind of the, the lolcat-speak version of how a rabbit would say, si, senor.
0: Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm going to have to Google that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's really... <laughs> it's a very confusing video. I get the idea that Chichinol is like a funny way a rabbit would say, si, sí, senor, but, oh man, it's, uh, it's pretty much it. There's not a whole lot of other content going on there. Uh, I was trying to think of like, other funny stuff and i mean i'm in my third week now of thinking about drake's uh horny watch that he wore to the toronto raptors um
0: what 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 is what is this
1: did you not know about the horny watch? no (laughs) 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 oh this was my hope i was like maybe maybe she would know about it i'm sure i can't imagine anyone gets tired thinking about this yeah so um during the, uh, the playoffs uh, between Toronto Raptors um, and uh, the Golden State Warriors, uh, Drake kept on, like, posting on his Instagram and showing up to the game wearing this watch that um, just, like, it reads three lines of text that you can rotate and change uh, to whatever you want. And um, so, like, the, the most tame one that he posted to, to Instagram, the most tame photo of it, um showed I want to caress you tonight on a watch you know normal uh but it gets way hornier than that uh so there's like three lines of rotating text um and the top bar can be changed to phrases like I want to I need to I long to uh, I've lost to I'd love to and let me and then the middle bar is like explore taste arouse devour caress and then the bottom bar gets pretty lewd uh, It's like you tonight, your lips, your body, your nipples, your pussy, your, uh, you madly uh, Which means that you can uh, get the winning combination of let me devour your pussy Which you get to look at every time you check the time
0: <laughs> Wait, so is this a digital watch?
1: No, it's what? it's analog <laughs>
0: I'm sorry I'm just picturing this like 90 year old Swiss watchmaker just like going about his life like in a shop and Drake walks in It's like I need this thing done (laughs)
1: what yeah um I mean it only gets more absurd than that uh because it costs $750,000 to make an analog watch that uh reads a couple of horny phrases on it uh what else there's only 30
0: why wasn't why wasn't he watching the game? Why is he? What?
1: Look, he's a talented man. He can be horny at his watch and while. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. He showed up at the game with um, uh, the combination of I'd love to kiss your pussy. Very just cultural arbiter, uh, man of our time, certainly. Uh,
0: and I also love the fact That nobody looks at another person's watch. Like he had to post something on Instagram for people to even like, listen, I spent so much money on this. Everybody's gonna like witness this moment.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's not something that if you were to look over, it's not a digital face, it's analog and it's tiny text. It's not like anyone who would even look at your watch would notice that. Right just like going around hoping Uh, someone asks you what time it is um yeah I don't know the country Richard Mill I'm not country I'm sorry the brand uh which is Richard Mill uh yeah I guess they made 30 of these and um I think I'm gonna try to buy up the other 29
0: (laughs) oh man you always have these like crazy (laughs) things where do you find this
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I spend a lot of time reading papers. I have to, like, find something halfway interesting that they saying.
0: <laughs> so mine's going to be pretty frivolous because, um, like, I'm also really sad about things going on in the U.S. Yeah. So. <laughs> have you seen Toy Story yet?
1: Um, no. Well, I mean, the original, certainly, but not the new one.
0: It's just so phenomenal. And I really just want to go see it because I... Um, had known now for a few years that I mean these movies take so long to make that um Rashida Jones was part of the writing team and I was like oh that's really exciting like I want to support stuff that she does um the animation is on such an insane level every joke lands there's not a single wasted moment every scene has a purpose like it's just yeah it was just like breathtaking watching this movie i was like how are these all so good like it yeah it was pretty phenomenal and that's it that's my modern thought just this uh, movie.
1: <laughs> so uh number one i kind of forgot that toy story 4 was even coming out i haven't seen any of the ones past toy story the original
0: you don't need to really I'm proud of
1: that i'm just okay. <laughs> that was my only hesitation going to toy story 4 like if i just don't get anything
0: no you'd be fine
1: all right uh, I, I have a, a comment about Toy Story 4 beyond that though and how it is affecting the culture. so I have a friend who has started dating again and um, I guess uh, she was on bumble and like in one day four people or four dudes invited her to go see Toy Story 4.
0: <laughs> she should have gone to all four of them.
1: <laughs> yeah it's really. so good. As per your recommendation, she's missed it, uh, missed out but isn't that like? A- <laughs> like a bad date right like your first date is going to a movie theater which number one isn't a good deal and then number two is one that like toy story is one of the the few um bits of uh broad culture that dudes will readily admit to crying at so like your first date is going to a movie theater and sobbing over uh <laughs> <a Disney laughs> film. not that i'm like you know saying you need to be a tough person or whatever i just think it's Uh, bizarre thing like all these dudes like i know i'm gonna cry at this movie but uh gotta gotta get it in
0: this one wasn't really i don't know that anybody cried oh yeah It it was all just laughs and the interesting thing is no matter what movie you go to these days people like have just exited the hospital giving birth to a child and then they're like where should i go the movie theater of course I'm like there's like a toddler in here like i get that it's a kid's movie but yeah, like your child doesn't even comprehend like the yeah. world it's uh, it's just so frustrating
1: yeah.
0: um but yeah let's just dive into the main topic uh did you love this movie
1: uh <laughs> that is the important question i really liked it i uh i was surprised um uh, no, it was legitimately funny and uh, a good film. It kept me kept me guessing till the end. No, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, never- yeah,
0: you're going to have to keep me on my toes like because I love this movie so much. I watch it almost every year and you're going to have to be the person who's like, no, Audrey Hepburn's an idiot and she's <laughs> like uh, man-hungry.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, she definitely is in this, uh, you know, her character is uh and i've got comments on that but uh no i mean otherwise it was, it was really good uh
0: no let's get started with that if you have something to see about it we uh, can start there uh
1: yeah i mean like right from the beginning i mean not the very beginning because like the first couple of scenes are her husband being what thrown from a train isn't that how he dies
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: mm-hmm. audrey hepburn and what is her name regina lampert or is that mm-hmm. yeah um regina lampert um has been getting thrown from a train, but then it like switches over to I don't know the French Alps. I know nothing about Europe. Uh, also, I've never been, so uh, you're gonna have to correct me on this. Uh,
0: yeah, I know. I've never been to a fancy ski resort in the Alps either. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, okay, so what is it? I mean, like the they open up pretty. Pretty well. A lot of good jokes right off the bat from from Audrey. Oh
0: my god, it's so funny! Like I could write down every line of this dialogue. Like I have it all memorized, anyways. Yeah. But she's like, I already know a lot of people. Unless some, you know, one of them dies, I couldn't possibly think of meeting somebody new. And he goes, well, let me know if anybody drops off the list. Yeah. This is brilliant.
1: (laughs) so good. There's, like, just a lot of weird little jokes there, too. That like, I, I don't know. This is a, a, a big film starring two popular and, I mean, you know, Cary Grant, um, Audrey Hepburn. And, and, you know, so I kind of expected this because it's going to be um, going for the broadest audience, that the jokes wouldn't be particularly weird or, or interesting. And, no, they're, like, all kind of off the, like, off the wall weird little wry comments that i thought was great um like carrie grant's first line when god what is the child's name is it jean louis
0: i think so yeah
1: awful awful child if i hated anything about this film it's i hate that child with so much bad
0: why why
1: I, well what is it? He opens the film by spraying Audrey Hepburn in the face with water. When you know, it's just at a ski resort. It's cold as heck out. His just his accent is terrible. He sounds like um gosh, what's the 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 kid in uh Willy Wonka? I, I don't know. His accent and his just like manner
0: Really? I thought I thought this kid was a French kid. Yeah, but maybe um You just don't like French people, is that <laughs> what you're saying?
1: <laughs> I don't like French children, apparently. I <laughs> Every time there was a child in this film, I just immediately despise them. I can't describe why. Like just his awful English accents and the high pitch of it. I, I can't, I don't know what it is. Uh, I got to track down this kid. I'm sure he's like a 60 year old man now and, uh, figure out if his voice changed anyway. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, Cary Grant brings this awful child, um, uh, to Audrey Hepburn and her friend um who she's at this like you know French uh ski resort, and um makes some comment about oh she asked him if uh, uh Grant found him or found the child like robbing a bank or something, and he was like, uh no, I caught him throwing snowballs at
0: at a rothschild, right
1: what is that joke <laughs> like it's just such a weird like point of reference, uh, I looked up like Baron Rothschild, and I don't even have like more information about it. There's well, like-
0: they're they're like I thought they were really uh, like huge family at the time. Yeah, like
1: just like a really. That's that's like all I could get out of it too. But there's just like weird little comments about that. And
0: Well, it would have been funny at the time, I guess. I don't yeah, I don't yeah. know.
1: Well, no, but I mean like the point here is like it's two people bonding over how much they despise this child, and you know, I despised him too, so uh did a good job of <laughs> connecting me immediately to these characters.
0: Ooh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, but something I actually found out about that dynamic between Cary Grant and Archie Hepburn is that they pushed for her to be kind of like the like the instigator, like she was pursuing him. Okay. Because he was really uncomfortable with the age difference, even though like they're twenty five years apart and this is one of the like smallest age differences he has (laughs) with another female person in a movie. Because he's he's fifty nine and she's thirty three. Yeah. And that's also why he had them add all those lines about like you know she's like oh you're treating me as a child and you know that's why they changed it for her to be pursuing him so it wouldn't it wouldn't be as creepy which i kind of appreciate them even thinking about that at the time you don't even see that happening nowadays yeah. so. but it just it turns her into this person who no matter you know no matter what always believes what he's saying like she just she's just really into him yeah. like, no matter what happens
1: yeah, I mean, the, the they do bring up the age difference um, pretty frequently, which, uh, not pretty frequently, but, like, then some key scenes, um, and that's definitely good. But even then, she's a 33-year-old, or 33 or 34. I'm 33 right now, and the idea, like, so even that doesn't really uh, work with me. We're just like, man, I, I, I just can't imagine having um, – that sort of impulse like you're you're a 19 or um, 20 year old again uh at hmm. three for a guy who's 59 but either way uh that's really funny that they they thought to change the dynamic uh between them a, a bit and like no one else really had thought of that beforehand they were just like well yeah of course she's going to be into this 59 year old guy
0: right i mean what's what's the movie uh who's in vertigo is it uh, is that Jimmy Stewart? Mm. I can't remember right now, but the girl is like like just turned twenty or something, and he's like a middle aged man. I just remember that movie specifically making me like kind of uncomfortable watching it, but it's it's also a Hitchcock movie, so uh, you know. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, my my more modern touch point for all of these is uh, Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. And um, oh yeah, I, I watched this. Um, I reviewed this again with a friend uh, last night. And uh, she was playing the game of, like, would I... I mean, he is handsome. <laughs> would I hold the story <laughs> <Mary> Grants <laughs> with that kind of age difference? And uh, she was she was undecided. So, you know.
0: And that's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> so I found out that the person who directed it, Stanley Donan, also did Singing in the Rain, which is one of my favorite movies. And I think this movie... I don't know. This movie's gorgeous, just, like, singing in yep. the rain you know a lot of the sets are really memorable my brother was watching it kind of halfway with me and he goes oh I, I know i've seen this movie but i don't remember anything about this but that you know set where they're in the hotel and the elevator you know that yeah. iron, iron gate elevator he's like oh that's that's unforgettable like i remember that specifically
1: yeah I love the i i don't have the brain for that, but just the idea of like walking by an elevator and be like, yeah, I'll do a whole movie here. Like, just that kind of uh, strong aesthetic response to to a space like that. But it works. I mean, that elevator is incredible. The the hotel they're in is beautiful. The I, the other really striking uh, place for me. And this was the apartment that um, Audrey had with her her ex husband, and you know, like she comes back and it's been completely sacked, and um, she's just like opening up the different cabinets. I mean, her that apartment, uh, you know, just by my estimation, must be like eighty percent cabinet space. <laughs> but I mean, like it's just really beautiful uh, spaces. But uh, I'm yeah. a home Kansas dirt farmer, so you know.
0: <laughs> and a lot of this was actually shot, you know, in Paris and on location the scene where they're walking down by the river and she says, Oh, do you remember, um, them filming American in Paris here? And the funny thing about that is that American in Paris was actually filmed on a soundstage and it wasn't filmed. <laughs> it it was just replicating the, that the sin. And then also I tried to look up stuff about that hotel that this is being filmed in. Mm-hmm. And I just want to give, I just want to give credit to, uh, Stanley Foss. He's a YouTuber who really looked into this and he was like, well, there's certain shots that like go through the, through the floor. So it looks like this was filmed on a soundstage, but there's a hotel in Paris that he tried to talk to the concierge and they were taking credit for, Oh yeah, this was filmed here and the interiors didn't look anything like charade. Uh-huh. So there is there is a hotel that was filmed. The outside was filmed where they like keep running out of the um, hotel or getting into the taxi. And then he actually reached out to the man who played the little kid in the movie. And the kid said, oh, yeah, I remember that being um, a set. Uh, so that is actually like a stage at Universal. So okay. yep. uh,
1: Well, they certainly did a good job with it.
0: I also love that no matter what happens at this hotel, like business goes on as usual. <laughs> like it's not right. like blocked off for a crime scene or like, right. no nope, like, <laughs>
1: Some guy's throwing a cork hand through a door and everyone's just like, "Nah, eh, you know,
0: <laughs> like the guy's still sleeping downstairs on the chair. Like everything's yeah. fine. It's not like dead bodies in this building.
1: Yeah. Yeah. God, I forgot. Three people died in that hotel. Pretty much. Um, right. <laughs> pretty gruesome deaths too. <laughs> one guy drowned in a bathtub forcibly. The other one. God. Um, was it Tex who dies? Um, oh man, yeah. By the bag, that was <laughs> that was graphic. Uh,
0: I forget how violent
1: this movie is. Just how it was back in the day, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, but just, that, go ahead.
0: Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say that that scene in the bathtub, like the timeline doesn't even make sense because they're all looking through different rooms. So how could the you know how could the evil guy have had a chance to like? overtake somebody then drown them then fill the bathtub up with water like it doesn't really make sense if you think about it
1: yeah yeah I I, uh you found the one flaw uh and how they line this up but uh yeah I'm trying to think of what else I have in terms of like notes I so this is probably the youngest I've ever seen Walter Matthau um and yeah I -hmm. I refuse to do any further research and so I He was born at 40. (laughs) He's, uh, yeah, I mean, like Walter Matthau is just a a great person who I really only knew from um, uh, Dirty Old Men, which is one of those strange things that like can lodge into your brain as a child and you have no real reason for why you liked it so much. Like what, what about Dirty Old Men appealed to, I don't know, how old must I have been? Like 11, 12 year old? Uh, person watching this film but like unforgettable role unforgettable characters and so anytime i see him any younger it's it's really um striking but fortunately he doesn't even look that young in this film so
0: that's true um, and also something i love about his acting is he just knows how what to do with his body during a scene moments of him eating a sandwich or he's smoking a cigarette or i don't even know like it's always it's always interesting to watch him
1: yeah um the sandwich thing ruled <clears throat> i can't explain what was so funny about him producing that basket of sandwiches um when audrey hepburn uh shows up to his office for the first time or not his office rather
0: mm-hmm.
1: where he offers her the basket of like liverwurst liverwurst chicken and liverwurst sandwiches or something like that oh why would you go for chicken <laughs> I I don't know. I don't even know that I've had liverwurst, so that probably would have been my go-to.
0: Oh, it's I mean it's just like a paste. Life. Yeah. It's delicious. Have have you seen um the original what is it called, The Magnificent Seven?
1: Um yeah.
0: The guy who plays Tex, that's what I knew him from. as being one of the like one of the cowboys.
1: Oh. No. Tex also a great character. Oh, uh real quick, <laughs> like uh, yes, Walter Matthau, great character, he does great stuff with his body all the time. There is one scene where he's being chased by, you know, the guy with the hook hands. Um, I'm forgetting what his character's name is in the movie. Um, and they're up on the roof and they're fighting or whatever. And Walter Matthau at one point says something like, did you really expect me to just hand it over to you? And he just does this like really broad motion with his hand to to indicate the the action of handing over. Which I I can't really explain why, but that was such like a funny and like wooden sort of thing. We're like, ah, they probably should have done like another take on that. And I'm sure like it'd be one of those things where if I saw myself doing it um, on film and be like, ugh, why? Why didn't the director stop me?
0: (laughs) Wait, what scene was this? I'm not
1: Um, the hook guy. I think it was. Did Walter Matthau pursue him off of the? Well, anyway, uh, hook hand guy and Walter Matthau were up on um, the the roof of the, the hotel. No, 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 that
0: was that was Cary Grant.
1: Oh shoot! I'm sorry. So it was Cary Grant. Then Walter Matthau is a perfect actor and had. to his- <laughs> Yeah, never mind. That was Cary Grant. Walter Matthau's great. Uh, kills every scene. Delivers lines incredibly. Just does a great frumpy bedraggled kind of exhausted yeah. thing good job
0: also how he like sticks the gun into the hook like, yeah th- threatening cary grant it's just funny to me every time like, <laughs> how would he pull the trigger like this is not threatening
1: <laughs> yeah well if you jerk your arm forward real quick then maybe the momentum would uh depress- <laughs> i don't know that, that was like a great thing we're just like I'm like well we got the hook put the gun in it <laughs> like, just mm-hmm. we got two critical things in the scene let's just combine them put them together for full impact shoots another man with his hook
0: <laughs> something else i really want to uh kind of draw attention to is, is the music by henry mancini that theme yeah. song was nominated for an oscar it's it's just one of those classic songs like It's fantastic. And then also the opening cartoony credit sequence um, that was done by the same guy who did all the James Bond intros back in the day. And um, once I found that out, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I I was going to say like the the opening credits were were beautiful. Uh, A lot of, you know, really beautiful patterns and transitions. Whenever I think of Elaborate opening credits, I'll usually think of like a, a, a Marvel film or something like that. Like this was the mm-hmm. special effects for the opening credits um, back in the day. Uh, really good. Um, yeah. m- music in general was incredible through this film.
0: And this movie, I mean, you already pointed this out, but it just starts off so strong out the gate. Like somebody dies and then Audrey, you see Audrey Hepburn being like, oh, I'm getting a divorce. And you're like, what, what, what? Like we haven't even met the husband or I guess we did, but I just love it.
1: Yeah. Opening dialogue with her is great. She's just kind of like I can't really explain. It. I'm just very disappointed and uh kind of bored with this. Yeah, great. Uh I'm gonna butcher this. Um, but I mean, every every outfit Audrey Hepburn wears, uh which apparently is provided by uh I Givenchy, I don't know how to actually pronounce any French word at all. But uh yeah, I mean even start strong with uh the, the outfit game, um right off the bat.
0: And she, I mean, she was one of those people that everybody wanted to design for. And it wasn't just like somebody in costume being like, well, what do we have? You know, what do we have in storage? Like, everything was made specifically for her. Like, yeah. She's such a star. It, yeah, it really shows. The only thing I always look at is um, her hair piece is a slightly different brown than the rest of her hair. And <laughs> like, I can't help looking at it every time. But.
1: Uh, meanwhile Cary Grant looks like they just dressed him off of whatever mannequins uh, were at the, the local JCPenney like, just what?
0: no he looks great Stop.
1: The, suits are, the suits are good I'll say the suits are good but like anytime he's wearing an overcoat I don't know I, they're just sloppy looking I can't really explain it and then like all the other dudes have you know they've got appropriate suits for their, their personality Texas suit is very good not only is yeah, he
0: it... he's wearing a bolo tie isn't he or am I misremembering that
1: i'm thinking of the funeral scene specifically he's definitely wearing just like an ultra thin tie for that one Um, but maybe he's wearing a bolo in other points but uh i liked how i mean number one like everyone's suit uh the fabric on it looks like it's an inch thick like the fabrics are so much thicker on everyone's uh pieces than they are on any suit that i've ever bought so yeah um, that's true just one of those like Back in the day when, uh, textile was not cheap, but certainly cheaper to, to get, um, within the average person's budget. Um, man, I mean, everyone has been sweating like crazy, uh, <laughs> but like Texas suit, uh, kind of cheap looking, very tight on him, uh, which actually works really well with his character since he's supposed to be kind of like a slim Texas, uh, kind of figure the entire time. Uh, but like <laughs> Uh, it really looks like it's restricting him in, in some scenes. But, um, God, what is it? do you know who that actor is who played Tex?
0: Uh, I'll have to Gosh, look so it up.
1: My friend pointed out some other film that he was in. But regardless, uh, great actor. He's probably my other favorite um, character in all of this. Way more personality than, you know, just hook hand guy who's kind of mad all the time.
0: Well, but also let's talk about that funeral scene really quick where Funeral's the best. you get... You get introduced to all these different characters and they're all trying to see if this guy is really dead, but they're all doing, you, you know, you get right away what their personalities are and how they go about that. I I love that.
1: Yeah. Funeral scene. I think that's the one that really sold me on this being like a good, good film and not just having, you know, like some flashes. But yeah, the funeral scene starts out great with the French inspector sitting in the back and it's Audrey Hepburn, and her friend. Uh, being the only, so those are the three people who are actually in attendance at this funeral, and the French inspector in the back. And this is probably the funniest moment for me. Um, like Audrey and her friend are talking about, you know, like, oh, the French inspector's here. Well, at least he's uh, well behaved. And they uh, go to a close-up shot of him, and he's clipping his fingernails.
0: <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> uh,
1: during the the wake of uh, of this guy. It was- fantastic and then yeah uh, all the characters coming in um perfect
0: and uh sorry i just looked it up texas the actor's name is james colburn
1: james colburn fantastic actor i gotta find out what else he was in
0: and also at the end of that scene where she gets that note and the person just keeps backing off going like pardon, pardon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah you never see him again one-off character but like the funniest thing you just you know, slowly drifts away saying pardon, uh <laughs> quieter and quieter. Um yeah, so what is it? Sneezy, uh, which is my name for him, because that's the only real character trait he has. He's kind of like mean otherwise, but I don't really know what else he had that was that interesting. Um yeah, goes over and like sneezes on um uh the corpse's face to to test if he's actually dead. Th- does I think Tex is the one who comes in and produces the mirror and like
0: mm-hmm.
1: puts it underneath uh the corpse's nose to test in case it's going to fog up and you know that he's actually breathing and then a hook hand guy uh sticks him with a pen and then throws the pin into the casket with <laughs> just great introductions to to all the characters
0: and something i always forget rewatching it too is that they introduce the stamps pretty much right away because the child that you hate so much goes like oh if you moved away you could you know, I could get the letters and I could get all the stamps. And it's just such a it's such a throwaway line that you don't think about.
1: Yeah, totally. You know, I I went back and watched this um, one more time after I finished the first time through. And yeah, just picked up on those little moments where just like, Oh, yeah, here it is. Here was them broadcasting that the stamps are a big deal.
0: Okay, so not only was my brother kind of watching this, but his girlfriend Stacy was Mm -hmm. watching it. And she is She is terrifying. Like, within, like, (laughs) freaking, like, 25 minutes into the movie, she's like oh, no, he's not the dead person's brother. Cary Grant's not the bad guy. He's the good guy. He's the government agent. The other guy's evil. I'm like, what, 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 what? what? Like, how would, you, how would you know this? Like, she just broke down the entire movie. Like, And then I'm like, okay, Stacey, where's the money? Where's the money? And she's like, uh, it's in the envelope. I'm like, there's nothing in the envelope. How would it be in the envelope? And she goes, I don't know. I don't know. It's just in the envelope. And then the stamp scene comes and she's like, oh, it's terrifying. I'm like, how did you know all this?
1: Yeah, don't try to double cross her. She'll figure you out.
0: But I'm not one of those people. I I mean, I also watched this pretty young. And I was, for every twist, I was surprised, you know, when I first watched it. (laughs) I had no idea what was happening. And I also did find out that putting a stamp, uh, gluing it onto a piece of paper like an envelope, uh, greatly reduces its value. Yeah. So uh, I don't know how that works, but...
1: That I also went down that uh, rabbit hole last night, too, where I was like, well, okay, so you bought a a $125,000 stamp or something like that, and then you put it on an envelope. Is it really worth that? Because you get fingerprint smudges on a comic book, and that reduces its value. Uh, I feel like the stamp collector is not going to want it already adhesed to um, the back of a piece of paper already. But again, okay, so we found two flaws with this film.
0: It, and everybody always says like oh that stamp collector is such a nice guy and he gives the stamps back and i'm like he didn't know that they were gonna show up again or that yeah. the kid was gonna remember this guy like he's shady as fuck
1: yeah he's covering his ass he's like yes i expected you this is all part of my plan
0: uh-huh <laughs>
1: <laughs> he paid off the kid with a bag of stamps beforehand. and he clearly thought he was gonna get away mm-hmm
0: you see like the pack bags in the corner like yeah. oh yes
1: <laughs> well yes true i was just about to pick up the phone and call the french <laughs> inspector myself
0: so did you have any clue as to like what was happening as you were watching it
1: um so you're just
0: along for the ride
1: yeah i'm also someone who uh, saying i'm along for the ride is a flattering way to put it i'm just like dumb to follow plots sometimes. <laughs> Unless it's an obvious political allegory, then I'm like, you know, if it's a political allegory, I'm in like if there is a Marvel film where I'm like, oh, hell yeah, they're talking about or like Star Trek, Two, I think was um, I'm sorry, of the new films was like kind of an allegory for the Iraq and Afghanistan wars and like um, potentially creating resentful like terrorist cells within these groups. And I was all about that film and I could tell you about it. But if it's just like kind of a romp, I'm just like, oh, wow, (laughs) look at all this stuff. Um, yeah, I'm really bad at following plots, but this one, um, you know, I'm an adult now with my, uh, large adult brain and I'm a little better (laughs) at doing it, but, um, you know, kind of guessing certainly as to who, um, Cary Grant's character actually was, I did not pick him as the inspector at the end, like Stacy did. Uh, that's incredible. And I certainly would not have guessed that, um, Walter Matthau had, like, used the office, uh, you know, during the lunch hour when no right. one was there. Right. Which they also, you know, give more than a couple of lines to, but it just did not mean anything to me at the time. No, I I, uh, I kept guessing. I kind of, you know, took everyone at their word for the most part and then was like, oh, I guess he's not Dyson. Oh, I guess he's not uh, whoever the heck he claimed he was after that. Mm-hmm. Very dumb, though. I'm just... I'm- <laughs> really not good at plots and
0: film (laughs) Uh, um, something else I really love about um, Audrey Hepburn's character in this is I never got the feeling that she was a victim like all her stuff you know the husband auctioned everything off and she deals with it pretty calmly Yeah. even though you know she's this like high society wife she's like well I guess I'm getting my old job back like she's I never felt like she was like a damsel in distress or anything like that
1: no i I thought they did she's a a fully realized character um like the the biggest criticism I think you could muster of her in terms of her portrayal as a, a woman is probably just her like head over heels uh falling in love with Cary Grant for no particular reason whatsoever <laughs> like. So my friend and I were talking about this last night. So there's the scene where, oh, the drip dry suits. I, I meant to talk about this earlier when I was talking about the the costume. Oh,
0: that's adorable. I <laughs> love that part.
1: Yeah. Like, okay. So they they he mentioned, Cary Grant mentions having like a drip dry suit, um, which must have been like a new suit technology or advertising kind of thing at the time. I'm trying to think of like what the modern equivalent would be. It'd be like Adidas dry fit or something like that. And no
0: wrinkles, something, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. I was wondering if this was like the, the era's version of a brand tie in or something to drip dry company or drip dry technology group, you know, getting major kickbacks from this or what.
0: But then he also says that his watch is waterproof. So what, um, I don't know.
1: Huh? Was this the decade when man finally beat water? (laughs) Like no longer ruled by the tyranny of wet things, I guess. I don't know. But they mention it several times. And then he does that, you know, he's uh, finally comfortable enough to goof around with Audrey because he's not frantically searching her both for um, uh, subterfuge or, you know, her uh, space for whatever. He seems pretty convinced that she doesn't have the money. And now he's just kind of fun and, and uh, yeah, so he gets in that shower and then, uh, you know, with his suit on and explains his drip dry and then says, oh yeah, they recommend that you wear the suit um, in order to maintain its shape, uh, you know, during wash or whatever. Cute scene, uh, you know, witty, he does some, some good stuff. Uh, but Audrey Hepburn in, in, you know, like 10 minutes before had already said um, that she was falling in love with him. That was the scene, (laughs) like the one scene where Cary Grant was like actively trying to win her affection and just kind of like showing off or whatever. But Audrey like decided, I don't know, two aliases before uh, that she was already in love with this guy. Hmm. Uh, I I don't know. And then, yeah, like the fact that she keeps lying to him and like she has made him promise that he's not going to lie to her because she's tired of being lied to, which alludes to how her ex-husband or, you know, her recently deceased husband would also kind of like lead her on and lie to her about his identity and so forth. And then she immediately falls in love with the next guy who lies to her.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Also, also in that scene, and I don't think this is too nefarious, but it's just something that stood out to me is he, he uses her shower, which is a hilarious moment because she is locking the door and not letting him come yeah. back to his room. And I'm like, it's just one of those things where I'm like, if the genders were reversed, like this wouldn't be this wouldn't be cute, you know <laughs> like, yeah. it's just something that I always kind of think about,
1: yeah, yeah, but uh no, otherwise great character uh, she's got her wits about her, she outsmarts him at a number of points, like where she um calls that taxi and then tells his oh, yeah," off, and then she jumps in the taxi behind it, or but no she's like I'm hiding
0: behind the taxi, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, I. They did a real good job of not just making her like in distress. She's someone who's like in deep and in love, but you know, not dumb. Certainly, like she's she's really a fully formed character.
0: She can outrun Cary Grant in heels. Yeah. So, <laughs> I want to talk about the classic orange scene. It's <laughs> just freaking ridiculous.
1: Yeah the, the the dinner show. Yep.
0: Makes me laugh every time, but then also, um, and they, it's funny, but then also there's a moment of them kind of blocking eyes and, you know, you can see these two characters starting to have feelings for each other. Yeah. Um, but then the scene afterwards where she's in the phone booth, I never understand why she doesn't just blow out the matches. Because Tex holds the match like right in front of her face. (laughs) And I'm like, just blow it out. I mean, later on when he does it really fast, like I can understand why she just keeps like brushing them off her dress. But I'm like, maybe just, you know, don't stand there with your mouth wide (laughs) open like a fish. Like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, the match scene was uh, was pretty good. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. Matches are very light; uh, <laughs> they're not great. You know, they're great at starting flames, but they're very—they very easily go out. They do it most of the time on their own. Not that big of a deal. Maybe fabrics are more flammable back then, and that was like the risk. I don't know. But yeah, the floor show was great uh, and features a classic character of um, early cinema, which is like the kind of busty uh, dowager sort of character. The that. He, carrie grant first has to to get the orange off of there's kind of the like it's just a classic character from like old physical comedy of like the indignant but uh you know like dignified uh dowager like pearl wearing type who uh gets Mm -hmm. slightly physically humiliated by the the rapscallion um like main character classic (laughs) just don't don't see that so much anymore you never see these people getting pies in the faces, monkeys, you know, leaping onto them. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> it's just good to see the classic.
0: Oh, man, that's what you want to go back to? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we spent decades with this character, and I don't know the last time. I don't see a lot of movies necessarily anymore, but just not many wealthy old dowagers um, <laughs> to be humiliated.
0: Um, there's also uh, the next line I have written down that's maybe one my favorite line from the whole movie is it's kind of when they get into this little tiff and he's like how would you like a spanking or whatever and she, yeah. she says you know what's wrong with you? and then she smiles and she goes nothing and I'm like oh it's so cute I love it like ah, it's just such a great moment
1: yeah uh, really great like um, I, I they they bust each other's balls the entire film uh, and that's really endearing because that is also exactly how like my you know romantic uh, world operates and uh, you know it's cool seeing uh, Audrey being someone who's like can, can cycle between mm-hmm. those two modes of like yeah we give each other a hard time but there's really nothing but like affection and uh, I like madly in love with you for being able to to roll and riff like this. Very yeah, no,
0: that, that's a good point, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then he, Cary Grant later on, I think, um, kind of echoes that when they're on the the boat on whatever river is in France. I couldn't tell you anything. I don't, I'm, again, humble. It's the Seine. <laughs> humble dirt farmer. Um, uh, yeah, so they're on the Seine and... Um, Audrey is uh, kind of being mom because I think she knows that he lied to her about her, his identity again or something like that. But then Cary Grant says something like, you should see your face right now. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. What, what was his like finishing line?
0: Uh, I don't... Uh i guess i don't remember i don't know why i said yes to that
1: Um, (laughs) well it was like you should see her face right now um and she's like what what's wrong with things like it's lovely or something like that you know oh yeah yeah yeah. people this great line about the person answering being kind of vulnerable and the other person being like incredibly affectionate and um loving and just kind of revealing it in these subtle ways
0: oh it's so nice
1: yeah it's very extremely pleasant very cute
0: and also that um that scene where he goes, Let me know what you want to eat tonight so I can match my suit. Because she had like dropped the ice cream on him like the oh, one yeah. before. Which that scene where he just takes her ice cream and then throws it in the river oh, <laughs> and I was God. like, well, What? <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I wanted to point out that I'm really only pointing out because we still haven't gotten better about this at all Mm -hmm. is the trope of disability as code for somebody's evil or something villainous is going on Yep. because the hook isn't really useful in any way. It's not um, a prosthetic anyone would have. So he's just, you know, they're trying to make that character scary And I feel like it would have been funny in that movie if we didn't see this still today going on, especially like I think that's why I have a lot of trouble watching horror movies, too, because it's always like, oh, the crazy insane asylum or like the guy with the facial disfigurement. Like it it always bothers me.
1: Yeah. Um, Easy sort of trope doing the, the physical disfigurement being like, oh, yeah, of course, guy with like a scar or, you know um literally just yeah the guy's got a hook hand you know potentially from like a war wound or whatever so it was even like this weird thing of like oh he's like a veteran too and (laughs) yeah and we put a gun in that hand just to really emphasize like the nefariousness of that disfigurement the attractiveness level i think is also an interesting one of those like none of the the villains certainly match like the the standards of like attractiveness as like the two lead characters i always am paying attention to to that sort of thing thinking about like conventional ideas of attractiveness and who gets assigned to what role
0: the, you know i i totally agree with you on that but i think for this movie they made the effort to have the people's like outside really match the character yeah. like there's a really burly guy and then there's kind of like the nerdy guy and it, it feels more of like oh we're building out this character as opposed to you know the disney level of like oh they they're evil cuz they look evil you know they're ugly yeah uh, but that but you're totally right i'm not disagreeing with you oh, and no. that's a good point
1: but they do a great job with, yeah, you're, you're right about the exteriors of the characters matching him really well. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't want Tex to look anything different than... than he oh, my
0: would, God. Um, he's yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, I want to be with that guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tex is good.
0: He's so charming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also something else I was going to point out, that shower scene with Carrie Grant, a man died in that bathtub, like, the night before. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs>
1: oh yeah I guess he did (laughs) I I was checking my notes and the other moment that I oh no I'm sorry this was actually the first moment that I like really thought that this is going to be a brilliant film in terms of at least the dialogue was um uh when Reggie and Cary Grant's character like first meet um Audrey Hepburn and, and Cary Grant first meet they are about to part from, um, you know, the, the resort or whatever. And Audrey makes some comment about wanting to see him again. And he you know, kind of brushes it off. And then Audrey follows up. And I wrote this down. Um, well, wasn't it Shakespeare who said when strangers do meet in far off lands, they should ere long see each other again? And Carrie Grant's response is, uh, Shakespeare never said that. And Audrey goes, how do you know? And he goes, it's terrible. <laughs> you just made it up. <laughs> and, and, I, I love that level of just like...
0: Yeah, and she's like, well, it sounds right. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's really funny.
1: Yeah, I I just... I, I love both sides of that conversation so much. Someone making up a Shakespeare quote on the spot and just trying to <laughs> add an air in there to pass it off as legitimate. I, I totally do that. And then Carrie <laughs> Grant is responding like, it's terrible.
0: Also, was she... Go ahead. Where she like says, um, she kind of explains her situation to him, and she's like, "Well, I'm about to be divorced," and he's like, "Oh, don't get a divorce on my account." It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny.
1: Yeah, yeah, just really good writing. I like both these characters so much, except for Cary Grant, who just continues lying about all this stuff. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I guess government agent, you do what you do for your love of country.
0: So there's something else that I had written down going just going back to walter Matho, but i didn't suspect him of anything because when she's calling him he's always in the middle of something like he's always in the middle of shaving or like he's cleaning his tie and he never looks like when he's presented to the audience and we see what he's doing he never looks like he just came back from murdering somebody that's and true. i think that's the movie being really really intelligent with Creating this illusion that's not even for the other characters, that's just for the audience watching. Yeah. Except for Stacy.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. Uh I wonder if so I mean at one point he's cleaning his tie, but I don't remember I think that's before he even had the opportunity to kill anyone, probably.
0: No, that's just when he uh snuck into the office yeah but it, it looks like his o- it, it's his office because he's already like eating sandwiches and like he spilled some on himself and like you would never suspect that this guy just snuck in here during lunch to use the office
1: yeah and he brought in like a, fa- a photo of his family because he makes reference to his child which he calls ham jr uh that one just I <laughs> love the idea of calling a child ham jr on top of it just different times man <laughs> Yeah. And then the other thing that I thought was really funny at one point when um, she calls uh, Walter Matthau's character, he's it's like um, the West Wing, you know, where everyone does the walk and talk sort of thing. They just have to have some kind of action on the scene. Walter Matthau is just literally holding the phone, both the receiver and, you know, the actual um, part that it connects to uh, and just like squatting up and down, up and down. Oh, yeah. The camera's like following him for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh that is brilliant yeah th- that's what i'm talking about it's like it-
1: he's just getting his exercise in during the day he's in the office a lot you know so he's gotta do squats
0: but then there's these little things that him accidentally calling agents spies, and she has to correct him like yeah. it's played for a joke but then when you rewatch it it's like oh no he he's tricking her like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he messed up um the only other last thing i would written down was the chase scene at the end yeah um which they did film in a in a real subway too, in Paris. And the, those old subway cars too—they're like this really old wood, just ah, just so gorgeous. I wonder if they still have them somewhere in a museum because I know those aren't the ones they use today. But yeah, it's just beautiful to look at.
1: Yeah, the the subway was was really beautiful. That I mean, uh, all the nostalgic sort of things, like even the telephone booths. it was just like, oh, they're so cool. <laughs> even though it's like a dingy telephone that the you know the public uses in a subway uh it's still just really cool seeing telephone booths and stuff like that
0: yeah this the chasing two of her waiting for the train and you know, at that point, I, me watching, I was afraid of Cary Grant, and I'm like, "Oh my God, is she gonna get on the train in time?" And then the whole scene where she's hiding in the theater prompter, yeah, you know, and with the that scene does go on for a little too long of Cary Grant like looking at the switches and the person walking overhead. But then when he drops to it, I'm like, "Damn, that's really violent." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also don't know if that person would just be instantly dead, but. Because your legs would be broken and maybe... I mean, maybe he snapped his spine, right? That could be... I was getting I don't
1: know. That spine. That would be yeah. the thing where I was like, oof, that does suck, man. That's so why you got to tuck a mole for that. Um, <laughs> the chase scene was pretty great in the theater. It was like a weird ending spot, I guess. And I was trying to think of it as, you know, metaphor for, for the rest of the film. And, you know, I'm always thinking about the the sort of larger ideas with that. And I kind of appreciate, you know, just like being careful with your step and, you know, literally falling through the floor, you know, the, the sort of metaphor of like the uncertainty and the precariousness of where you walk and all of that. It was also just a really cool sort of thing, you know, where he's literally just deciding which of these uh, squares I'm going to uh, allow the trap door to fall through. As a child, that would appeal to me quite a lot because trap doors are the coolest. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know if the theater really has any... I mean, it probably does have some kind of symbolism, but maybe that's just also the set they had. Yeah. But there is also that earlier scene of the uh, puppet theater, right? Where Audrey's watching it, and it's kind of similar to what's happening in her life.
1: Yeah, even with the inspector uh, kind of lurking in the background. Yeah, that was a good uh, scene that kind of summed everything up in a Punch and Judy show.
0: I also think it's kind of hilarious, and... I mean our like police procedures have evolved over time, so I don't know this could be accurate. But all this evidence of this dude being like a shady guy and he's got multiple passports and then the yeah. inspector's just like, Oh, you can take this all with you. Like we don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, just sign this and it's it's all yours.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. No, we have no idea where any of this where the money is. <laughs> We're basically telling you you're going to jail and are putting you at risk for death uh, but here take it all home um, <laughs> you don't really have storage space for this um,
0: yeah like people keep dying and nobody's in like custody protective custody <laughs> like but yeah. maybe that just wasn't a thing back then like I have no idea
1: it was also just money too it's not like something irreplaceable by the government got stolen that was kind of the other weird plot point for me but it was like I could understand if they had like state secrets or something like that. And, you know, not that the US government will let you off the hook for $250,000, which is probably, you know, several million dollars back when this um, film was shot. But it's just like, a lot of people are dying over just a, a, a sum of money that probably is not that much money, all things told for, you know, the US government at that time, you know, we lost several billion just like off pallets in the war in Afghanistan, and like, no one, really in an eye about that i don't think there was a modern equivalent of, of this movie basically it's just dollars. What you know what does the government care throw her in jail or let her go and you know by next year you know in a couple of months the government will have made that money up pretty easily
0: hmm. well i mean i guess the only person they send is cary grant so That's true. <laughs> the inspector the inspector trying to like solve the murders like he doesn't really Care about the money, like,
1: and he solves that, you know, within a couple of days' time. So that's, you know, that's actually a good use of money. Well, never mind, I take it back.
0: I just, I recently have gone down this true crime rabbit hole. Yeah, like just listening to podcasts and watching documentaries, and I'm constantly surprised at like how police and FBI procedures just it didn't even exist for certain scenarios, or oh, like yeah. they it wasn't until the 70s that they found out, like, children can are most likely to be abused by people they know. Like, they thought it was just, like, these stranger danger scenarios. Right. And they didn't really have any, like, ways to check for, like, psychological damage to children until, like, the 90s. Like, it's just incredible. like
1: Yeah, how recent all of this stuff is that we totally take for granted. Um, yeah. Yeah, like watching the Ted Bundy files, uh, I had a lot of that. You could just kill anyone back in the day. Like he, Ted Bundy, just like would go murder someone and then be like, "Well, it's still early. I guess I'm gonna do this again." There's no chance in them catching me now, anyway.
0: Right. So I listened to a podcast on that one. Shout out to the True Crimes Obsessed podcast, but they were saying that the, um, because there was no like central intelligence system or like the internet wasn't really used by the police yeah. that you could commit murders in one state and then do the same thing in another state and the two states would have no way of knowing. Yeah. Right. Or like be able to connect those two things. that I was the same perpetrator. And then also the other thing that just shocked me that I actually had to Google was the speech that the, judge gives where he's like oh i'm so sorry i have to put you away for killing all these dumb women like <laughs> i <laughs> really love you man and i'm like what is happening like he's like oh it's such a shame that i have to put you away in jail and like it's such you're such a such a waste of a human being like oh man you need did, was that part of the documentary or maybe i'm thinking of a different no i think like,
1: you're right um...
0: i googled that statement afterwards because i was like this cannot be real like and then i checked it on wikipedia and i was like this this judge is known for his like sympathetic comments on the ted bundy trial I'm yeah like, oh snap that's what you're known for like
1: yeah oh god. that god those comments we should have done a, a whole thing on the ted bundy tapes but yeah like the, <laughs> gosh all of that was so bizarre because it's just like i mean you know by the end of this documentary like he's not even that impressive of a person like no one around him really even thought he was that impressive they got an idea of like intelligence but just like a weird self-seeking kind of, it's just, it's kind of a facade is how everyone got it. And, you know, meanwhile, this judge is like falling in love with them as uh, uh, the details of some of his grisly murders, like being revealed here. Just insane. Hmm. What was the upstanding gentleman they thought he was? He wasn't really good at doing any of his other jobs anyway. <laughs> He bought a suit and like tried had a failed career trying to get into politics or like you know glad handing with people in politics and even they were well, like he's just strange man.
0: He was white, like yeah. you know, you couldn't have had a different guy with a different skin color. He would not have gotten that same treatment.
1: Yeah, yeah, no shit. We would would not have needed uh, a fortieth of the evidence uh, required for that. Yeah, we're just vigilante justice done on the street.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Sadly. Um, but i don't have anything else more about charade kind of went through all my notes
1: uh yeah i don't think that i had anything else that was super critical either
0: oh the only other thing that jason and i already talked about but i just wanted to let the listeners know is that this movie is not copyright protected which blows my mind the song is copyright protected but because they failed to put a label on it at the time of its release, there's no way to go back and reclaim it. So you can watch this for free on YouTube. You can watch like the DVD I had was pretty. I didn't realize how crappy it was because everybody can put out like a DVD of this movie and sell it anyway. Um. Uh, so. Yeah.
1: No. That was that was wild. I was really I'm surprised to be able to see this on YouTube. Gosh. Uh, the other thing. I'm sorry that I, I I did not write down, but I tried to. Did you know there's a remake of this? There is. Yes. Yes, there is. In 2002. There was a movie called The Truth About Charlie.
0: Who's uh, in it? Who's in it?
1: <laughs> Mark Wahlberg.
0: What? No!
1: Plays... no!
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, Mark Wahlberg plays Cary Grant's character.
0: No, he does not. No. What is that?
1: <laughs> yes, I'm afraid he does. And then Regina, um, which is Audrey Hepburn's character, is played by Fandy Newton. Um,
0: I, I don't know who that is, but Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> to me, is he's such a non-entity You know what I mean? Yeah. There's nothing there. No,
1: and the funny thing is, is like the IMDb copy says, you know, Regina meets the charming Joshua played by Mark Wahlberg, and I'm like, no, there's nothing. Like, just absolutely insulting. My friend and I watched half of the movie last night, and
0: oh, you did? Yeah. Thank you for your sacrifice.
1: (laughs) awful totally awful like uh the the direct it would have been
0: funny it would have been funny if you'd said like and it was so good (laughs) even better than the original
1: well it starts out already on the wrong foot with me because the 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 title is like a pun so the truth about Charlie, basically, it's like C H A R L I E. No, no. And I only bring no, that up no. because that's also featured on the poster, where like truth is in white, and then the word, you know, the the ending of Charlie's name is in white um, on the poster, and everything else is in gray. So it you know looks like it says truth and lie. Anyway, it's just awful. Like right from the get go, hated the poster. Uh, Mark Wahlberg sucks he's like he's just such a a a meat-headed actor uh does Cary Grant absolutely no justice um the film got canned I think it only made like seven million dollars it has like a um 34 on Rotten Tomatoes but oddly enough Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars which just weird man Tim Robbins plays um Walter Matthau's character though
0: Huh, okay, that's kinda interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, gosh, uh Joom Hoon Park um was one of the villains. Like, so they they cast uh they had a more interesting group of like villains, uh, but they've removed all humor completely uh from the film. So instead of being kind of like witty and kind of, you know, like capers and stuff like that, it's like much more serious, but it still revolves around stamps. Like it's still this bizarre murder thing but like high stakes and kind of paranoid i i can't really even explain the the weirdness
0: but you you had a really good like script doctoring idea earlier they could have just made it about comic books <laughs> everybody likes comic books these days and there could have been like a kid reading comic book and then he's like he doesn't realize that I'm just throwing this out there.
1: Yeah, no. And, like, they they kept the stamps. They didn't try to, like, modernize that portion of it at all. Um, I couldn't finish the film. I was tired, and it was really bad. But, I mean, just real, real mess-ups the the entire time around. Oh, instead of going to Walter Matthau's office, they go on a Ferris wheel. Um, Like, he meets Regina in, like, a public space, and um, they step into a Ferris wheel, and he hands her, like, a card with the CIA logo on it or something like that. But uh, really just terrible. I can't imagine this film without humor or like watching this film and trying to remake it and deciding that that's what needs to go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, and I guess the original screenwriter didn't want his name anywhere near it. Can't recommend it.
0: <laughs> oh, that's incredible.
1: All right. I think that's it. Unless you got anything else? Uh, Nope. No, that's pretty much it. Uh, happy 4th of July, which is when we're recording this.
0: Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah that's not going to be relevant when it comes out but how everybody survived as my friend in germany always says how do you have guns but you're not allowed to have
1: fireworks i don't understand Uh, (laughs) rude to bring it up quite frankly uh wow good point
0: but yeah jason thanks for being on folks thanks for listening and we'll see you all soon
1: yeah thanks bunch